0: Ladies, gentlemen, pimps in between, as one Daniel Fintle would say, welcome back to the Arsenal Cannon podcast extravaganza. This is episode 194. And for the second time this season, we are talking about a narrow away 1-0 defeat, second defeat that we are discussing in the league this season. Um, before we do get into that, when we have a bad weekend, I still think it's, it's right to do a bit of Schadenfreude, and I just wanted to point out Chelsea um who are currently on a 45 point pace uh for the second season running and they've spent a billion pound on their squad which genuinely to me feels like one of the greatest sporting failures when you think about expectations and sort of outlay um financial outlay that they've you know um splashed out on to improve their squad and it isn't being talked about enough for me like this should be All over the place how unbelievably abysmal it is, but um, it feels like the coverage is not as substantial as it should be on something so awful, Um, but great for Arsenal fans. Anyway, we are going to have to discuss the defeat. Uh, Here to join me and to speak about the the narrow defeat to Villa is the man with a versatile name. The two Americans are missing again. common theme it's it's becoming. Uh maybe not. Maybe it's just we've had two in a row, me and Rob. Although there was the midweek one which I missed. Anyway, Rob. Man versatile name, Rob Bob Ber- Bertha. Um the man I don't so-, so like to call Jared Gillett. Uh Rob, what are we saying?
1: <laughs> Please don't call me that. Um I'm very well thank you, Alfie. Um I-, I don't want you to do a disservice to Matt Johnson. We did have a men's show in the week and he he was there. He's uh He's a valiant yeah. soldier. Fair play, uh, fair play. Yeah. That Daniel Finton guy, though, questions need to be asked about his contract. He's been paid way too much to uh, just, yeah, keep not turning up. He, he's the Takahiro Tomiyasu of the Arsenal Cannon podcast. Um, but I am good. I'm going to hop on that Schadenfreude tr- train. It wasn't only Chelsea who got embarrassed this weekend. United also lost 3-0 at home to Bournemouth. Bournemouth, who have been playing better, but it's still 3-0 at home to Bournemouth. Um and yeah, uh, I, I'm kind of loving Chelsea this season because they've taken points off a, a couple of our rivals. I know they took a couple of points off us, us as well, but it was quite funny the way we turned that around after playing completely awfully and managing to get a point out of it. Uh, they've taken points off City and Liverpool, uh, and every other week they embarrass themselves against you know pure mid-to-lower-table fodder. So um, yeah, more, more of the same, and uh, shout-out Sean Dice as well for already picking up the the nine points which were taken off him he's doing a great job at the moment so uh, yeah uh, sort of I think that'll actually it it won't be the most like positive part of this podcast because Arsenal played a lot of good football yesterday against Aston Villa but um, yeah it's probably going to go on a little brief downhill for a second after that that positive start
0: yeah and I think what you said there kind of sums it up like it was there was a lot of good things, a lot of positives to speak about, but it was just there was something just missing, and it was sort of just off in so many aspects. Um, and it was we were so close to at least a point. And we're gonna start for the second consecutive main show that I've been on with you, with the explosive moment. We did it after Wolves, because I think it kind of encapsulates the game, but also it allows us to Go over the referee stuff. Um, just get get rid of it at the start. Get get on with the with the good stuff that we actually want to speak about. In a way, it kind of does feel like the Newcastle game because there was so much refereeing controversy. However, I don't think like me and Mac did an entire podcast on the refereeing decisions in that game and PJMOL in general. Um, and I don't think this warrants that quite to the same extent. But also, I think this was was this was better than the Newcastle game for me. Um, in a lot of aspects. Let's start with the explosive moment. I'm going to just reveal mine off the bat. And for me, it's the the goal that isn't given because it would have... I think because of the lull that we had in the second half, it almost felt like we'd sort of lost the idea that we deserved something from the game. Um, And then we had a sort of late, not onslaught, but a late uh, revolt on their goal for a bit and we eventually did get what I think might be a legitimate goal um, that wasn't given and it sort of would have been deserved. It would have capped off like, oh, this is quite disappointing because we were the better team, but a point away at Villa Park's is a really good result when you put into context their midweek result against Man City and performance against Man City. And we didn't get it because of some dreadful refereeing. So that's my explosive moment. We'll We'll, we'll get into it, but... Do you have a similar explosive moment, or are you going with slightly different one?
1: Um, I think there's probably a case to be made about um, the the different trajectory of the game if that uh, penalty is given at, at the start of the second half. I th- I think I sort of get that one a bit more. It's just frustrating in the context of Liverpool, uh, not Liverpool getting one, but Palace getting a a very similar penalty in in a game that happened earlier on in the day. And this is you know the thing that we bang on about a lot with consistency, but yeah, I think the explosive moment really has to be the referee guessing when, when making a decision. Um, you know, at the time, uh, you could have been like, oh, no, he, he's not guessing. He, he's seen something in there. And then you see uh, sort of a, a zoomed-out picture of it and the referee is behind Oleksandr Zinchenko. So you cannot see uh, sort of the, the flurry of action happening in between the goalposts. Um, and for some reason calls for a handball i'm i'm sure he didn't call for a handball by the way i'm sure he he called because he thought there was a foul or something that, like that he did not call for a for a handball that that's bollocks um and he's called for no reason um and that that changes the the trajectory of the, the decision thereafter um it 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 if it stood um it would have been similar to the one that newcastle scored i guess because uh, I think it would have stood because the evidence was so unconclusive one angle it looked like it hit Havertz's hand one angle it didn't uh, both the angles it clearly hits Cash's hand first I mean it's just as Gary Lineker said on match of the day it's just an absolute farce that um, in the build-up to a goal the, the ball it, it gets disallowed if it hits a attacker's hand but the defender can accidentally handle it, and and that that's absolutely fine. Um, I think, yeah, more so now we're getting into issues with with the actual rules themselves. There was a, a clear, there's clearly a flaw in that that ruling yesterday, as Jamie uh, Redknapp said after after the match. Um, and yeah, it's it's never nice when you see uh, a referee guess when making a decision against you, and it it just seems that these these very egregious refereeing acts which guessing is it's a absolute disgrace uh going against us uh i i think i am sort of in board- on board with the whole narrative of uh PG, pgmol being a bit out to get us just because of the things that arteta said after that match I was ask you that. yeah yeah i think i think i probably am it's uh it's sort of this like old boys club isn't it um all ganging up on on arsenal and you know i'm i'm it's always entering dangerous territory when you you talk about things like corruption um but this this one this one feels particularly egregious just because the fact for me that the referee's made a match changing decision without being able to see what's going on it's just Boggles the mind, isn't it?
0: Yeah, and whenever we have a bad result, there's always sort of this thin line between Well, there's there's sort of two views that come out. It's like But when there's when there's contentious decisions, which it feels like in both our league defeats this season there have been very, very egregious contentious decisions. There's always this line between are you on the side of Oh yeah, but no, we didn't we didn't do enough to win the game. We shouldn't be focusing on refereeing decisions. And then there's people who go really... At, and I understand both sides, but I'm always more on the side of... Like, the referee should be doing their job. We cannot deserve to get something from the game. By the way, we did in both games that we lost. Um, but ultimately, the referee should be doing their job. And Jared Gillett has... The simple fact is that he has taken two points of us off us in this game. He specifically. Because as you said... When you've got the benefit of video technology that can review decisions you've made or review decisions or incidents on the field, why are you guessing a decision? Why? There's no, no, no chance he can see this hit Havers's hand because A, we couldn't tell that from about 58 different replays and then there's a really close in slow motion one which I've seen on Twitter today where it doesn't look like it even touches Havertz's hand at any point, um, and it only hits Kasher's hand. So there is no way you're telling me that the ref behind Ale- Alexander Zinchenko, who's right in front of him, can see that. So he has guessed a decision when he has the benefit of of replays later on. Why are you guessing? Why are you jumping to make that call? And as you said there, if he doesn't guess, the goal is given. Because, it, as you said, it's similar to the Newcastle one. There is inconclusive evidence to... And, by the way, the Newcastle one, there was conclusive evidence because Gabriel was shoved in the back. But this one is so hard to tell whether there's a handball and Havertz, and ultimately, I don't know if there is. But it's very hard to tell that they wouldn't know. There's no way VAR would have overturned that. But he's rushed to give it. And because it's not clear and obvious, that the VAR aren't going to overturn him giving the handball and no goal. It's just like, and what you were saying about, you think like they might be out to get us. I've always sort of veered away from that side because I don't think generally like every every club does feel like that victim complex to an extent. Where I think the PGMOL are opening themselves up to sort of calls of corruption and stuff like that and, and biases against teams is when you get something like this, you get a referee. First of all, I don't know if you've seen, it's come out that he is a boyhood Liverpool fan. So even if he's able to detach that from his refereeing, there must be some sort of subconscious bias there um, if he has an inclination to support Liverpool. And by the way, he's not allowed to referee Liverpool games. Um, But also, why is he jumping on that? Does he do that with other clubs? Or is that me trying to create a victim complex but I genuinely don't know if if he would have like jumped to that conclusion and rushed he couldn't wait to not give that goal and the other th- reason why i think they're letting themselves be opened up to ideas of corruption is a blatant red card from Roberto Carlos an elbow to the face is always a red card. Particularly when you glance at him and then aggressively go in looking straight at his face with your elbow. That has always, always been a red card. And we've had two incidents now where it's not been given against us. Any any human with eyes that watches that incident and go, that's, that's assault. That's GBH. Of course, that's a fucking red card. But somehow... Just like four people whose opinion actually matters who have sat there, who have the benefit of watching that incident, the most blatant red card on the planet we've ever seen, and they don't give it. It's astounding. It's it's not remotely a grey area or a debate. It's so, so, so evident and obvious that that is a red card in every aspect, and they haven't given it. And you have to ask, why haven't they given that? Would they give it if it was another club? Maybe they would. Maybe they wouldn't. In which case, it's extreme incompetence. Or there is some sort of agenda against us within the PGMOL. And maybe it's not, oh, we're just going to fuck over Arsenal. But maybe it is the idea that we've been vilified in the media. We've been become the poster boys for sort of disrespecting referees because of one interview Arteta gave after that disgraceful decision against Newcastle and they've got that in the back of their mind and they feel hurt that Arteta attacked referees even though you had De Zerbe come out and say he hates 80% of Premier League referees not heard anything about that we've had Roy Hodgson speaking just because he was an old man and he was he was putting it a bit nicely in his in his mother tongue in his first language yesterday there's not there's nothing said about that I saw Alan Shearer applauding him And Arteta does a similar thing. Oh, it's, oh, this Spanish cunt. Like, it's, I don't know. But how do you feel about that sort of media vilification of us? And do you think that has played into it? And do you think that has played into, like, decisions yesterday? Do you think we hadn't, if there wasn't this sort of perception around us at the moment, would Diego Carlos have seen red? Or or are we stretching in that? Is it just extreme incompetence in the moment?
1: I think there's been a few examples of this in recent weeks, actually, um, of sort of violent conduct moments happening at the end of matches. I think we saw it with, I think it was Vinicius for Fulham last week. It it happened like right at the end of the match and he headbutted someone and he didn't get sent off for it. And Fulham went on to to win the match, by the way, at the end. It was against Wolves, that's it. Um, And then actually tonight, I've just seen that um, shock... Shock horror! Kuti Romero is trodden on on someone's ankle, and it's a just a it's a blatant red card again. Um, and they haven't done anything right at the end of the game. And yeah, it's it, it's it's a weird one, right? Right at the end of the game, where it feels like the dust is a bit settled, and then a player does some something completely stupid. And yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that one is is particularly Arsenal-ish. I just think these officials are both. Uh, I think a lot well, of them just, are just—they've got no backbone. They're toothless. Uh, a get, lot of them. Like,
0: did you see the Palace red, for example? Yeah, yeah, bizarre two red card. Extremely minimal, minimal incidents where Ayu's done uh-huh. very little. Tommy Tomiyasu red early in the season. So exactly minimal. The same. It's, and it's, and
1: Ayu also did exactly the same against us in that game and didn't get
0: sent off for it. Exactly. You've got um, two two really minimal incidents and you've decided to you've decided that because of those two minimal incidents, the player cannot stay on the pitch and you're making a game-changing decision because of that. And then you've got someone assaulting someone in the face very deliberately because he's staring right at him and decides to just yeah. elbow him right in the f- head. like And Katia could have got concussed from that incident. It's violent conduct and somehow that's not a red card. But oh, It's another one as
1: well that the, the weirdly all of a sudden you've got one blurry angle of it and, and you're like, how many cameras are in this football stadium? And we get one blurry angle from the other end of the stadium. Are you, are you honestly telling me they couldn't have found us a clear angle of Diego Carlos elbowing someone in the face? And that's another thing on this, which I, I Everyone have.
0: Everyone on Twitter can see it after <laughs> the game. Everyone on Twitter yeah. that, that possesses eyes, you don't need to know anything about football. If someone elbows someone in the face while staring at them in any walk of life, you're going to fucking jail for that. If you're on a football (laughs) pitch, you should not remain on the football pitch for that. Three fucking idiots are sat in a room and have gone, oh no, that's fine. Yeah. And
1: and that's the other thing about it that I have huge, I think an argument that has huge credence is that there's a direct line between the broadcaster and the VAR room they can see the decisions being made before us they can also communicate with Stockley Park the broadcasters I don't think it takes a rocket scientist to understand why we got such a blurry image of that in Ketia incident it's because someone at VAR has been like fuck lads we've made a, a massive mistake there we, we can't let them see it otherwise <laughs> we're going to be in the news all week again well, who cares lads you're already in the news you've you've disallowed a goal which i i just yeah as as i've already alluded to what gary lineker said on match of the day just about how it's ruining football It, it it really is and i know i'm probably guilty of taking sympathy for roy hodgson's mother tongue as well but i i just think it's it's very sad when you hear a a veteran of the game speaking so solemnly about it he, you know he's been in football for so long and when you hear someone like that say say things like uh when i leave the game i'm not sure i'm going to miss it that much because of officials i mean yeah that's um that that's very sad and again uh, probably arsenal vilification cuz you know Wenger's said things in the past that famous quote about when I go to heaven or when I die, I'm going to ask God whether referees are in heaven or hell. Um, you know, hearing Roy Classic say things, yeah, prop pro, Roy has basically said the same thing there, and he's getting a love in. Um, yeah, I, I, there is definitely vilification of Arsenal. Uh, we're going to be on the lips of everyone at PGMO, PGMOL at the moment as well, because Arteta had his hearing in the week. Um, yeah, just very eager to to see what will come of that because I'm I'm sure it will be very very harsh. I mean, the fact in itself that Arteta missed this match is just it's it's a it's a just it, it's sickening that a manager can show emotion and celebrate a last minute winner and thus miss a miss a game and have to sit in the stands. It's such a crucial football match as well for. our... I was I was so nervous going into this match I think a lot of the players were as well and and you never know the influence having a your manager there on the touchline it can be it, it can have so much influence on the players and that was taken away from us looking like if he gets a, a serious ban that he could miss an, another huge game in in Liverpool away got Brighton at home next week which won't if be easy if he misses it, that game just...
0: if he is banned for that game like there's there's something up because there's been like two months for them to make a decision if they then decide, and they could have done yeah, so much quicker he misses our crucial away trip to Anfield, He has to sit in the stand that that has to be investigated, surely but why are they why are they taking two months to wait for that game like and again, I don't like to to I do not like to go into these calls of corruption and these conspiracy theories and everyone's out to get us because it sounds mental and conspiracy theories generally are mental like that. Um, However, how can you explain Mikel Arteta getting a fine, getting a potential touchline ban or saying a decision was a disgrace and Zerbi coming out and saying he literally said the words I hate 80% of Premier League referees no consequences for that statement. Mikel Arteta celebrates a 97th minute winner by veering a few yards out of his technical area. Roberto De Zerbi sprints onto the pitch to celebrate a goal against Nottingham Forest and like is celebrating in front of his fans. Two incidents with two different managers, very similar, yet one... Is given a ban, is frowned upon, it gets a yellow card, gets all this media hate. The other one is there's nothing said about it, no consequences. How can you explain that? What why is that the case? Like that is what leads people to say stuff like corruption. And I still don't think it's corruption, but there's there's gotta be some sort of bias there, even if they're not thinking about it, because it just doesn't make sense. And the third thing that relates to that is the penalty. Earlier in the day, a Palace player kicked in the back of the calf when the ball's coming across the box and he's trying to control it. Penalty given. Exact same incident, Gabriel Jesus, bottom of his calf, kicked. No penalty given. Uh, And it's it's one of the you're getting two identical incidents on the same day and they're officiated in different ways, the integrity of the league is at threat. It's one of those as well that, it, yeah.
1: that you see. Like, I, I'm not even really sure that I agree with that being a penalty. I never like it when I see it when a player nips in front of another and gets kicked from behind. And it, gets
0: I, I agree, um, no, it's but it's off. given.
1: It, it's given every week. It's given every week. You, you genuinely see instances like like this every week. I, I think Newcastle got one against against Wolves a, a few weeks ago, and I think they they said it was a mistake in the end or whatever, but. It got given, I think, by Anthony Taylor, and that was a contentious one because then he got relegated to the championship or whatever. Um for officiating duties. Um but yeah uh, Anthony Taylor gave it because those decisions are given every week. It's just it's just a given that a player nips in front of another, he gets kicked from behind and he goes down. And and the VAR's um uh their justification by the way for not giving it. This is what the commentator said because apparently the the contact wasn't a, enough to like send gabriel jesus down and if if like if if nothing typifies the what is wrong with like officials in this league like they say all the time that players should be doing more to stay on their feet so you're saying that if a player gets kicked and he stays on his feet and he stays on his feet it's not a foul like this it's it's, it's just all so inconsistent and as we say a lot when we talk about these things, how f- f- primarily it's just fucking boring. I, I, the fact that. And and then a way opposing fans always say, oh, Arsenal always have to blame it on something else. I, I, I see that because we've lost two games this season. And the, as you say, the, the two games we've lost, there's been egregious refereeing decisions.
0: But. The irony of that is that the, yeah. some of the people that I saw saying stuff like that were Liverpool fans who they've lost the one game this season and, and get the rubber the green absolutely robbed in that game so surely you understand you have a bit more sympathy with us but and they and they, they also said like oh imagine if you
1: have a a situation like Diaz where a goal should actually stand we had that last season we had it we lost points crucial points in a title race because they forgot to draw the line like this shit does happen to us we're not we're not just like fucking crazy whenever yeah, it, shit goes against us, and it it's annoying.
0: Yeah, it is. And I don't know if you saw Arteta's post match interview, but he was asked about it, and he basically and he just
1: no comments. Yeah,
0: yeah, because Premier League, in their North Korea ways, as I refer to it, have shut him up. Um, we're living in an authoritarian regime here, where if you criticize the establishment. You are punished and you are forced into silence. Basically, that is what has happened here, and that's sad because, as fans and consumers of the product of the Premier League, as as grim as that sounds, you want to hear what the referee, what the the managers think of decisions. Like it creates good moments, it creates drama. You want to hear that. You want to know what they think. You don't want to hear them to just give no comments when they think something has gone against them. It's just, yeah. Anyway, that is enough time on referees. I have no idea how long it's been. About 25 minutes. 26 minutes, yeah. 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 So, um, sorry if you (laughs) really hate referee chat. uh, You probably skipped through this. Uh, Maybe I'll put it in the description. You just want to skip the referee chat, go to like 26 minutes. Anyway, let's talk about the football. And. I think we should work backwards and start with the canon concerns because I kind of think they're the most sort of, they are the, the the reason why we didn't win this game. So I feel like they're worth pointing out first, Um, if you get me. And for me, I saw people and people in our group chat were talking about our finishing. And yeah, maybe we could have been slightly more clinical. Odegaard with those two chances um, could have made more of them. Saka like, before they scored, didn't take that Martinelli cross very well. For me, the biggest gripe I had with our performance was how bad... Because I think... Uno Emery's getting praise for this. I thought Villa were not good, to be honest. They had one brilliant move five minutes in, did nothing for the rest of the game going forward. And if we'd been even remotely precise with our final actions, we probably could have won this game, like, 4-5-1. Like... I was kind of astounded with the amount of opportunities we had sort of getting in behind down both channels or having like four V3s after winning the ball back high up the pitch. And, you know, the, the quality of our cutbacks when we're in those positions, they're like one pass over here, under here, allowing the defender to get in and cut things out. Things just ricocheting off, off us and, and going the wrong way. When we're in those sort of really threatening positions was mental and that comes down to the individuals in the front five or six or whatever who just weren't at it in terms of the precision of their final actions and that cost us in this game and elliot and Arsenal Vision was uh in the interaction was was saying this game kind of reminded him of the spurs chelsea game in in sort of us being chelsea and how many times we were just able to breach their back line but then not make the most of it and I kind of that was a more extreme version of that but I kind of got what he meant and that was the most frustrating element for me and that was the that's the canon concern for me the lack of form some of our attacking players are showing in terms of you know being more precise and being more ruthless with those that final pass that you know using the ball better in really dangerous situations
1: yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Um, we seem to co- show like completely different form in the Champions League on this front. Uh, both the PSV home and Lens home games, we were just so, so clinical, so precise with our actions when we enter the penalty area, just so direct in getting to goal. And I actually think, I can't remember which podcast I've spoken about it on this season, but I have spoken about my my sort of annoyance and concern with how effective we are when when we win the ball back really high up the pitch um, because we're very good at that. We're very good at winning the ball high up the pitch, but then when you win it, it's all it's all about what you you can do with it. Um, you know, Villa get praised relentlessly for their press. Our press was excellent yesterday. Uh, they they couldn't get out at all. Um,
0: I I don't think Villa were pressing us really.
1: Oh, Villa! Villa wasn't pressing us at all. I actually
0: thought like elements of their system were a shambles. Like,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, you 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 know, you can't have
0: that high a line and then that little ball pressure. That's a recipe for disaster.
1: We know Unai Emery very well. There's there was flaws all over the place, and I'm I'm never gonna get on this train of him being this like absurdly good tactician who, who who has it all done perfectly, and Villa being title contenders. I mean piss off like they're shit away from home and we we literally played them off the park yesterday we just couldn't convert our chances and yeah we weren't precise enough with our actions when when we won the ball back um with that being said as you say Alf, really good goal that that they scored uh we we saw similar things with Emery in our in our like first season with him at Arsenal, that Fulham game springs to mind, where we don't get much XG, but we string together these ridiculous moves from from deep again. Leicester at home, we and yeah, I I think first half of the season that season our, our home form was was pretty good. Um, like we've we've all seen this movie before as Arsenal fans, lucky clean sheets. Um, you know, it it doesn't it's not like flawless football um but i you know i hope he continues to do well at, at villa because i think it's sort of the right club for him i i just don't like it when he when it's getting painted in a in a light that it shouldn't be painted in. i didn't like how the analysis after from the likes of sky and and twitter's like oh arsenal would have been lucky to to walk away with a draw, yes, maybe because of how we played in in the last quarter of the game, it was just not good enough. But if you're looking at you know the overall game, um, Arsenal created the much better better chances. Villa were just clinical, and that that that, that that's football sometimes. Um, so I I would agree with with your concern. I think it would be harsh to say so I'm I'm sort of too concerned with the likes of um Ben White and Zinchenko. Uh I think basically the the flaws that we know they have as fullbacks, I think they were just exposed simultaneously. Um, you know, Zinchenko a lack of awareness, perhaps getting dragged into a place where he shouldn't be dragged into, and then Ben White not getting tight enough to his his man again. I've, I've, I'm I'm speaking about movies we've seen before. We've we've seen both those movies, um, and I think as part of the price you pay having those those kind of players who contribute so much in an attacking sense in in your defensive line, it's going to happen every so often. What you need then uh, in those instances is to to make up for it at the other end, which we didn't. Um, I th- think I'm. I've been thinking a lot. Uh, so I'll bring it in as my concern. I've I've been thinking about a lot about this narrative that is developing on Twitter about Martinelli's positioning. Um, it's it's true. He's he's not getting enough shots off. Um, he probably is being deployed a, a little too wide. Um, but I think I sort of and. Yeah, he probably is our best finisher and he, he should be yeah, he should be getting more shots off so it is concerning. But I think we we need to think about this one. Uh and I'll be interesting to hear what you think about this one because it's being spoken about a lot. I do think we need to think about this one in the context of how Arteta thinks about Gabriel Martinelli and I think he primarily thinks about Gabriel Martinelli as a, a touchline winger even though he is an incredible finisher and perhaps the system needs to be evolved a little bit but we've just got to this place where our our attack after what about 10 or 11 game weeks has looked pretty sterile and now it's turned into a bit of you know nice free-flowing football and a, a part of that is Martinelli playing pretty wide uh so I think that's just part of it for the moment but he is our fastest player uh, and having him that wide when there's opportunities to get him in behind, perhaps in between the likes of Konza and Diego Carlos, it is frustrating. And maybe the adaptability, uh, we, we maybe we should be a bit more pragmatic in that sense. But I do also get that we've been very good offensively lately, and I understand why that wasn't sort of tampered with.
0: Yeah. And Martinelli was going to be a kind of concern for me. Um and I'll I'll get to that, but I just I wanted to 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 go back to the sort of lacking in the final third thing and it, those uh, yeah final actions, and I felt like this game was different to the Newcastle game because the Newcastle game we controlled it really well, but I felt we were really oh, we, ponderous we in, the, in the final third. Yeah. yeah, we we didn't like. We didn't create, you know, good overloads. We didn't win the ball back in dangerous areas and our and our passing in final action was just off. Um, we just didn't get into those dangerous positions at all, really. Whereas right. in this game, we had so many, so many. And we ended this game with 1.8 XG, which is, you know, quite decent, particularly away to a team that just conceded two shots to Man City at home. Um, if you... If if you add the Havertz goal, you're probably looking at like 2.5. That's another good away performance, yet it feels like we wasted so many opportunities. And that shows the magnitude of chances we could have created in this game had we been more effective in that final action. And yeah, I was going to say, I wanted to re-watch this game um, kind of like I did with the Newcastle one and find out what what restricted us from winning this game. But I kind of feel like I know... I don't think it actually requires a rewatch. It'll just be 90 minutes of us getting really good positions and then going, why the fuck's he done that? He had so many better options, or he's just taken a loose touch or overhit a pass with just carelessness in that final action. It felt like carelessness. And just, and also, I think the wind, I we mean, mustn't forget there was wind. <laughs> uh, I think that did play a role in some of our final actions. Um, it sounds like a bad excuse, but I, I do think conditions do come into things um so i think it would just be you know the frustration of 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 wasting those opportunities um and just on the goal you're talking about white and zinchenko there i agree i think it's it's sort of minor errors i think i think it's as you said asked you know emery teams are capable of these quite pretty passing moves um, and this was a really we're,
1: we're not we're not we're not sat here talking about it if we don't concede.
0: Yeah, like, yeah. it's it's a were, really they were good in the game. Otherwise, it's a really um nicely constructed move from you know a good team with good players. Uh, and you know if we score that goal from an Arsenal point of view, if we score that, we don't we don't even think about the defense defensive errors. Like they it was like minor things we could have done better from a handful of players. Rice got drawn in, and Chanka got drawn in. White should have been you know, tighter to McGinn, as he said. It's it's minor errors, um, but none of them are egregious, um to any extent. We're not I wouldn't go berserk over any of them. And yeah, uh going back to what we were talking about, um Martinelli, yeah, he he I just feel like his 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 final action has been bad this season and I, I agree with what people are saying in terms of we need to get him closer to goal, he's getting nowhere near enough shots, he's not putting up good XG numbers that is a bit of a concern for me and that's that is something that I think generally my criticisms of this game are not Uh, coaching orientated like I think we were well structured we we were well coached to play this football game it was the the players in the final third their final actions letting us down but Martinelli's positioning could be something that Arteta could look at and think how can I get him closer to goal more often I I feel like he was probably the most um, susceptible to these errors in the final third like he, he he's the most at fault for me in, in this terms of this game and it, like out of any of the attacking players who are, I felt like so many poor choices so many overhit crosses so many bad crosses and I'm, I'm thinking if you look at what Saka's doing on the other side this relentless output and some of his, his really good crosses which reach the right areas Martinelli's just not doing that so many going into Martinez's gloves so many going out of play He just needs to be better in these, in these final moments and I think he's had a, quite a bad season generally on the, obviously some good games but generally on that front like we've seen him beat his fullback nine times against Sevilla but then even in that game like a lot of the cutbacks weren't good enough so he is a c- canon concern for me the other major canon concern that I wanted to touch on which I feel like has become a theme when you look at our recent performances generally we've been really good going forward in our recent games but I think in all of them We've had a, a lull, like a bad period where we do nothing going forward in the second yeah, half. Yeah, I don't think we happened against Luton, it happened, against, Luton, happened against Wolves, it happened against PSV. Mm-hmm. After the second, we don't come out the blocks very well in the second half, and there's a there's a real period. We we normally have it happened against Brentford as well. We normally have like a late onslaught when we need a goal, but in that period between like fifty and, and 75, 80 minutes, we really haven't done anything in recent games. And my canon concern related to that is the strength of the bench at the moment. I know we have some injuries like Vieira and Smith Smithrow out, but I don't think Arteta trusts these bench players enough to bring them on in that period when we're struggling. And if we did have those options, if we had a you know another explosive winger on the bench that we could bring on and you know revitalise the attack, maybe we would have done better in some of these recent games in those periods. Um, and I also think that I know you saw, you said on the chat. Martinelli for Tros- Trossard for Martinelli was a bad sub and I agree you can't take although Martinelli been bad you can't take your most threatening pacey player off the you know your your, your the most pacey players yeah, like, making those run runs like diagonal runs you bring on Trossard who's not interested in those runs I do think Martinelli could have come off but this is an opportunity where this is a, a, an instance where Arteta should have looked at someone like Reese Nelson and trusted him with his explosive pace to come on earlier and, and do something, in my opinion. So what do you think about that idea of firstly us struggling at the start of second halves and the first half of second halves and how that relates to the strength of our bench in terms of attacking options right now?
1: Yeah, interesting one. I didn't think we were that bad at the, the start of this second half. Um
0: I think we, we started we, we, quite well, but we after that Odegaard shout, chance. Yeah, um, after that Odegaard chance we had like fifteen, twenty minutes within absolutely nothing. Yeah,
1: yeah I didn't I think um we actually had a very potent period. Uh I remember Jamie Carragher saying something along the lines of oh Arsenal are really screwing the nail now, um, and it, it did feel like that. Uh, and then, yeah, we just lost our attacking grip on the game. Um, I think this is, this is probably something to do with the fact that we've we've only just started playing good attacking football this season. Uh, I think we're, you know, we, we've taken the good stuff and we've been very happy with it in recent weeks. But we haven't really had a match like this where we've um sort of needed the, the constant onslaught. Uh, you know, we've got either got our, our goals early or it's been a, a very different game state, you know, away at Luton of sort of of course you're gonna be have your foot on their necks throughout the second half. And when when you're playing against a better team, you need you need to be even more ruthless. And it's easy to say, but we that 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 brief period that I just spoke about at the start of the second half. We just we just had to get a goal. You, you feel, and we had to get a goal because of where we're at in our attacking play at the moment. I don't think we're that you know serially confident to be able to just keep plugging and plugging away at that one nil down game state with half an hour to go. It's not the same as when we're away at Luton and there's twenty minutes. It, it, it's a very different environment, um, and then. I think even as a fan, you do it. The, you're one 0 down, and the the concert, or the yeah, the concerns start creeping in. You keep looking up at that clock, and you're like, "Oh shit!" There's actually only twenty minutes left here, and what what have you? Um, so yeah, is that lull was was definitely the most frustrating part of, of the game yesterday. Um, is one of those games, isn't it, where? a goal just changes everything if we don't concede early it's a completely different game if we get a goal when we were that dominant it's it's a completely different game i will say just because of how good he is in those areas i expect a lot more from martin in the two chances that he gets um I actually think that first one he does everything completely right and it is a magnificent piece of goalkeeping from that prick that plays in the sticks, between the sticks with Villa. It is
0: very, very good. He, he, by the way, does allow them to play this high line because he's really good at sweeping up. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a fantastic save the way he
1: anticipates it and you can say, oh, the guard should anticipate that, but come on, he did everything if, right if, there. If
0: Jesus lays that off to his left foot, he hits the first time and it's a goal. Yeah. But he doesn't um, feel confident in his right foot to hit it.
1: it. Yeah, it's probably that second one. That second one that, again, it's it's a tough chance, but just because of how good you know Erdegaard is in those areas, you expect him to tuck it away. It's annoying that he didn't on the day. It will happen every so often, but uh, you need him to score in those instances, and he'll, he'll know that more than most. The, the, what I'm happy about... Uh, which, you know, I guess can feed into good stuff, is that we are now consistently finding him in these positions again. And despite finding him in these positions again, Kai Havertz is playing phenomenally every week. So we we figured it out. We just need to do this for 90 minutes. Or if, if not, you score too early and you, you shut up shop. Uh, it's just how we have to start playing it. Yeah. And obviously, there's other factors like fitness and stuff that come into that lull. But it, it was the most frustrating part of the game and concerning. Yeah,
0: and I think this kind of shows why Arteta may have taken this more cautious, steady approach at times this season. I don't think our attacking players have the ability at the moment, at least, to play like you know, sustain attacking threat for like longer periods like we did it in the first half that's been a common theme as we've been saying and it feels like there is this lull in games i think a lot of it is just the intensity at which some of these attacking players can keep going and obviously we're playing every three days and that's why i just feel like a either arteta needs to put more trust in some of those players like reese nelson um and you know call upon them earlier when these players are clearly faltering and and running lower on steam when they've played three games in in a week. Or we need to dip into the market and buy someone who he will trust, um, another explosive winger, because we really are so reliant on Saka and Martinelli to fulfil those roles. And when they get a bit tired in the second half, we see that we have these lulls. So, yeah. Um, More Kenan concerns for me, I do think there are. I think you said... You were talking about the fullbacks. I think both of them are a canon concern to an extent. For me, Zinchenko, been over it so many times in terms of the, the defensive side of the game. I don't think there were too many problems with him in this game, to be honest, on that side. Obviously the first goal, but as we've said, it's not an egregious like what the fuck are you doing? kind of moment. It's sort of minor errors from him and white and rice. Um, for me in this game, I was frustrated with Zinchenko because I don't think he When he did try and force the issue, he was overhitting those passes over the top so much. Then also, it kind of seemed to affect him, and then he stopped trying them at some point. And I was like, we were having so much joy getting in behind, and you're just not picking this lock. Havertz was making those runs so many times, and he just didn't find them. I was like, you have the ability here, and you weren't really imposing yourself on this game enough for me. Yeah. And I think it's to what to what Daniel said about in the chat. so yes, I, I, I think it's always
1: entering again dangerous territory when you talk about players getting rattled and easily influenced. But I do think Zinchenko is one of those players who, when the going gets tough, he he does let it affect him quite a bit, and you see him doing silly things.
0: Yeah, yeah. And White, White was bad in this game for me, and I think he's there's something wrong with him. Um, his form of late hasn't been yeah, he's in the great. worst form of his Arsenal career. 100%. He is and, and I do think there's some fitness issues. obviously he missed some games, uh and Tommy Asu, and I think there's a reason Tommy Asu was playing, because he, he wasn't fully fit, Ben White. Um and yeah, that's one to watch out for. But unfortunately, because of Tommy Asu's injury, we don't really have an alternative. Um I mean there's Cedric, uh, who Probably play against PSV, and I don't see why anywhere near the pitch for that game because he needs a rest. He needs to get back to his best. But yeah, in this game, just passing was was nowhere near good enough. Defensive solidity, the first goal we've spoken about, but there were numerous occasions. I was like, what What are you doing here? You're just you you look off it. Um, yeah, that's most of my canon concerns. Do you have any further ones before we do touch on the good stuff?
1: Uh, no. Uh, I think we've we've been pretty comprehensive in how we've we've approached it uh, today. Uh, yeah, I th- January feels feels big again. I think whenever you're in a title race, January is 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 going to to feel big. But uh, yeah, I think this discussion elucidates that there's concerns both at the back and in forward areas. So yeah, we need to be effective in the market.
0: Absolutely, and I think we need an attacker and a defender. Uh, midfield, I actually don't think at the moment is a top priority. Um, uh, good stuff. We're fifty minutes in and we haven't touched the good stuff yet, which feels mental. Uh, but I,
1: but I do think we have sort of yeah, the, uh, yeah. Throughout, like when we with when our we spoke bad about, stuff has come yeah. the
0: good stuff at
1: times. Like when we spoke about um. To our first canon concern, which we focused on for a while, which was um, how effective we are with the ball when we win it back, and the uh, how wasteful we are in forward areas. There's good stuff in that we're getting into those areas and and we're winning it back. Um, so it hasn't been a doom and gloom podcast. Um, yeah, it's funny that we're 50 minutes in, isn't
0: it? Yeah, and the, one of the main good stuff which we really haven't spoken about, which I think is really obvious and needs we need praising for is the fact that we went away to a team that have won 14 now 15 consecutive home games have scored countless goals in these home games played man city off the park in midweek 22 shots and over two xg against the pep guardiola side and we turned up they score early they finish with what 10 shots which is all all right but not nothing mental and 0.7 xg uh They didn't do anything against us. And again, we are able to completely nullify these, these legitimately good attacking teams. Uh, And that's got to be in the good stuff. Um, And we did really contain them. I thought Ollie Watkins, the two centre-backs did well against him.
1: Containing, you know, one of the best strikers in the league this season like that. Mm. Um, Yeah, Saliba had him in his pocket and that's the side that Watkins likes to, to veer over towards and, Saliba emasculated them. It was, again, brilliant to watch from Saliba.
0: Exactly. They had, like, nothing after their goal, apart from maybe a couple of, like, breakaways in the second half where, you know, they, they didn't ultimately create good chances, but they had a sort of half chances. There was the Watkins one that went straight at Raya. Um, so I think that's a good stuff. But I also think... The fact that we were, as we, we've mentioned, the fact that we were able to get, you know, into so many good sort of overload positions where we had a numerical advantage in the final third is good and it shows that the coaching's working, the system's working, it's just the execution in that final third that's lacking. Um I think there are a couple performances to talk about. You mentioned him earlier, Kai Averts. I'll let you wax lyrical about, about this display, because I thought this was up there with his best so far.
1: Yeah, it's just it's nice that we're not even at a stage now where he's just playing well when the rest of the team is playing well. He's really sticking out now and he's he's looking like he, he could be a talismanic figure for us. Um these back post runs late in games, they're causing problems almost every week. Uh it's it's a great sort of get out of jail free card for our attack if it's not functioning. We we shift the ball to either Odegaard or Saka, we swing it into that back post and uh, and Havertz will be there. It's it's a brilliant little tactical thing that we've got going on now, and it, it it's very simple, but it, it's very effective. Uh, and we should have got a goal from how effective it was. Um, but yeah, he, he's just hit a different level of confidence, and I I'm so impressed uh, with him and the club for getting it out of him. Just because I think uh, I I, my, I think my primary concern when we signed him was how big i thought the sort of confidence revival job was yeah because i I just think like you you can tell even in the way that chelsea fans speak about him now with with so much disrespect he he was going through a real tough time there um and his confidence was on the floor he was playing for a very very bad football team as as we can see now it's a dreadful team and he had to lead that line and uh it, it, it would Seem now that you know playing up front on his own well it it's not the best for him he, he needs someone to combine with up there uh with that being said um with that in mind, I should say him and Jesus have just they're they're linking up so nicely with each other uh Jesus was good, but he does he he is part of that concern with how effective we are in in the final third, like we had that cross to him in the second half and he has to bring it down and tuck it away. He just has to, and he takes a dreadful touch. Um, so annoying that he did that, but, but Havertz was great. I don't think there's really a fault there. Um, he also overpowered that, that Villa midfield, that Villa midfield who have just been outstanding this season of Kamara and Douglas Louise. Havertz did not struggle at all physically, which at uh, start of the season he was getting uh, sort of physicaled out of matches and, and stuff like that and and looked a bit fragile in there. He's, he's just come on leaps and bounds and it, it's 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 great to see.
0: Yeah, I think it's clicked. I think it's clicked for Kai Evertz. and the thing I was always saying whilst he it really wasn't clicking and he, he was bad for a lot this season was you see still in patches that the talent is there. It's just the application of the talent. Um, that was missing because he was so low on confidence and looked fragile um, as a personality. And a couple goals, and all of a sudden, like he's doing stuff that he just wasn't doing. Like he is taking on players. He is driving with the ball with more purpose and aggression, which he just wasn't doing early in the season. He would get it, and he'd play sort of a slow-paced, lazy pass sideways or up the line to to Martinelli to to the left of him he wasn't trying these things and yeah just like his 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 ability to win second balls in midfield is actually a superpower and it must have scouted that when they looked at him like this is a trait that he can that he is capable of and will apply really well to when he moves into midfield and he did that so many times there were so many moments where he won the ball back High up the pitch, and then allowed us to, you know, counter press them, and and you know, hit them in, in the transition with like four on threes and stuff like that. Um, and he he was the one that did use the ball really well in the final third, generally. Um, and I was going to say, if every single one of our attacking players was so bad at using the ball in this game in those areas, then you could say there was some external factor or something. But the fact that Havertz was still good means it makes everyone else look worse that they weren't able to you know, provide in in the final third. But you know, the the chance for Odegaard in the first half, he takes that pass, he receives that pass, and his first couple touches are brilliant from Martinelli's pass. And then he finds Jesus with that nice cutback. And then his cutback for Odegaard for the second Odegaard chance in the second half is really good. Just looks like a different player all of a sudden. And it's a an it's an brilliant display, isn't it? It's brilliant. Exactly. And it shows you got to have you can't write these players off too early. Um, and that's why I was trying to stick with him um, in these dire periods. I've got one other sort of positive performance I think that is worth mentioning. And I don't think he was excellent. But I think given what happened at Luton, it has to be mentioned. Uh, David Raya. Some people say he should have saved uh, the McGinn goal. I don't I think when you, when you're it's shooting off, from when, that when you're shoot yeah when you're shooting from that close range with that much power uh, and the, the the pace at which the ball travels into the net it would have been a stunning stunning save if he'd somehow kept that out um just because it's sort of close to his hand where the ball eventually ends up I don't know um but I th- Daniel was quite scared of the fact that they were crowding him on corners and I get that because he is short. So I can understand why it would provoke sort of anxiety, but ultimately it didn't cause us any problems. I think the rest of our team protected him well in those in those sort of corner um scenarios. They were crowding him as well and making sure he didn't get, you know out physical in the box. Um and his distribution was good. So you know, it's you, not an outrageous performance, it, but it's it's a stock yeah. rising, if you get what I mean. So it's it's yeah. a good stuff that he that he was much better. Known I'm I'm after. glad he recovered. Yeah,
1: and you never know with these refs, but you'd like to think um, he would have been protected in those situations as well. Because like John McGinn rubbing his ass up against him was just like ridiculous. Um, and I, I get why Villa were doing it. I and, you know if I'm managing a team against Arsenal, I'm I'm definitely telling my players to crowd David Ryer after the game. He had a midweek, but I agree, m- much better display. Centre backs again, very good. Uh, I thought Gabriel, especially, is is in very good form at the moment. Uh,
0: I feel like Saliba's on the ball form has dropped a little bit.
1: Yeah, he had that stray pass, like, didn't he? In, in the I first mean, he, half, he, he was. He
0: looks like I don't know. He's he's looking a bit more ponderous in possession, and he's not he's not doing as much in terms of progressing yeah. the ball. I don't he,
1: think. he had a, he had an electric start to the season, didn't he? And perhaps we're just entering a, a period not dissimilar to one he had last winter after the world cup where he just has a little drop in his performance and you know the guy's still 22 years of age isn't he it's it's, it's gonna he
0: happen. was still solid defensively but yeah it was um, just not quite well, yeah. as pristine on the ball as he used yeah. to uh,
1: and yeah. rice probably wasn't quite as effective as he has been lately just just yeah a few that weren't quite up there i think the sack has Probably hit a different level to what he where else he has been all season. I thought he was fantastic again, uh, but you know we, we sort of take this as, as a given from from Saka. And I thought Erdogan wasn't quite as effective as he has been at dropping in to those midfield spaces and, and receiving the ball. Not a, a major concern, you know. This is quite new what we're doing. It's not going to be perfect straight away, and, and it might contribute to things like us having bad periods. Um, in football matches. But yeah, I, I, there wasn't any glaringly bad performances. But apart from
0: Havertz, no one no one really stood out either. Yeah, I thought Saka was good in the first half. I think he was instrumental to most of the good things we did, combinations with, you know, Odegaard and White. But I do think he faded in the second half. And as we faded, his f- threat completely faded. And he, he looked quite frustrated after... I can't remember what the incident was, but you know when he kicked it back to Martinez, and you know some yeah, Fulham yeah. fans were saying he should have been booked, even though he's passed it back to the area it should be. Well, um, they
1: were the fans were just on his back all game, and I think yeah. it did get and to that, him a that bit. affected and, him. Yeah, and I think
0: second yeah. half he was like nowhere near as good as he was in the first half. Um, and obviously the offside goal, which we didn't see the lines or anything, which was a bit bizarre. Um, it looked closer than. I'd thought it was. uh, It probably was offside, but it'd be nice to see the lines, to see the confirmation, um, and see that they were checking it more thoroughly. Anyway, any uh, any final words, Rob, before we draw this bad boy to a close?
1: Uh, No, nothing more to
0: add today. Lovely. PSV on Tuesday. We can bounce back in a completely meaningless game. Uh, I mean, I'd rather we I'd rather we lose the game playing no one than win the game and playing a strong team. If you know what I mean, I, I know what I mean. Like, yeah, is-
1: we need to get some running in the legs of the likes of Reese Nelson, who isn't being trusted at the moment. He needs to show Arteta what he can do. Uh, apart from that, actually, we don't have massive depth. I think it's a great opportunity though, to give someone like Gruel Walters, who's been knocking on the door for so long an opportunity to play. I'd rather see him play than Cedric. Um, and then hopefully those those boys who are playing ever so well in the academy as well uh Lewis Skelly Kelly and Winy uh, can can get some minutes because I don't think there's a better
0: opportunity than this one, yeah, I would not play anyone of note in this game like i would, do you remember uh one of the, in fourteen fifteen uh we we'd won or I, I don't know if we'd won the group but we'd qualified from the, from the group already. And we went away to Gela Tassaray and won 4-1. In that game, I know a few like Podolsky and Ramsey played, but generally it was a very, yeah, very rotated side. And Maitland-Niles made his debut. And I think there were like three other, four other teenage debuts in that game. Mm. Um, and it was a, like, I think we need to see that sort of team like completely rotated. Just throw some kids in. Why not? Uh yeah i know people say oh yeah, it goes against the integrity of the the group and stuff and the competition but you should be entitled to play whatever team you want if you've earned your place in the next round you can use that game to play whoever you want i think um so
1: we're in a title race lads we've got to exactly. manage accordingly
0: So uh, yeah so champions league el zero,
1: nanny pivot, baby <laughs>
0: Like, see, I even wouldn't even risk Jorginho. Like, what's the point? to play on any with and 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 the and and uh, In- In- uh Louis Kelly. Like why not? And then play a front three of Nelson and Kettia and Cozia Jubri, something like that. Uh with Ruel Walters and Lino Sosa partnering Kivior and Cedric. Sago Jr. Think...
1: as well. We cannot forget. Uh,
0: on the bench. Who are
1: the... <laughs> Ruel Waters and and, and Kivy or at center backs. With you know Sosa at
0: left back and Cedric at right back. That's what I generally that's what I do. Um I'd be much happier to see that than see a full strength team and win, if you know what I mean. James yeah.
1: Hilson in between the sticks.
0: <laughs> if Ramsdale doesn't play this, if would be gutted. It's like his only chance to play Champions League, because if he goes to Chelsea or Newcastle, it doesn't look like he's gonna get that for a while. Anyway, um Rob, marketing opportunity of a lifetime yourself. Uh
1: again, don't really have anything for you this week, lad. Um it's a busy period, but I'm finished with uni on Wednesday. I head home. So some articles after that, hopefully. Uh and keep an eye out for podcasts coming out this week and don't forget to review and share.
0: Yep. Do all that. Um hopefully we have a podcast after PSV. We kinda need to to keep on our schedule to get to episode two hundred by the end of the year. Um yeah, I'm just gonna say We soda it, code, okay. Um and we need a song, Rob. For God's sake. It always happens.
1: This does always happen. I've got I've actually got and I say this every every week, I've got no clue this week.
0: You got anything, Alfie? Um I don't know, whenever there's there's like sort of clowns involved, which I think of in terms of the clowns of the PGMOL, I think of oh, stuff like in the middle with you.
1: Okay, yeah.
0: Clowns to the left of them, jokers to the right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because these are I think jokers. we've done that before, back when we had like Mustafi, Socrates, and, and <laughs> yeah. that dreadful centre-back, that dreadful defence, and we had Leno just making save after save. I'm pretty sure we did this.
1: Yeah, yeah I've, lo- I've loved the Leno nostalgia on social media this week. <laughs> Just because he had to be up real.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll do that then. All right. Bye. Goodbye.
2: Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. I got the feeling something right. I'm so scared in case I fall. Música e